Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where E3, 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 Zug Zug. <laughs> I made myself laugh. I thought I could do it with a straight face. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. <laughs> Loktar? Ogar. Oh, I got him. Yes, that makes me so happy. I didn't tell him. I didn't actually write that one out today. Um, today, we are talking about E3, and we are talking about the warcraft movie we were going to do a whole episode on the warcraft movie and then i spent all of my free time this week making podcasts about e3 writing about e3 compiling links for e3 and just generally like soaking in e3 so we decided we're going to talk mostly about that but then also give you a warcraft movie review and kind of impressions at the end so this is kind of our first two topic episode even though the warcraft movie is probably going to be the smaller topic I'm very glad that you did this with your free time for E3 because this has kept me, I feel more up to date on E3 this year than I have since I was probably 15 years old. I'm glad I could help. And I mean, I I tried to do, like I did separate episodes for each press conference so that if anyone was really interested in um, a specific press conference or, you know, if you only have a Nintendo system or if you only have PlayStation, Mm -hmm. that's all you care about, you can go just download that one episode. And I think I have eight or nine episodes up. There will probably be about 10 E3 episodes up by the end of the week. I'm actually looking really forward to the second odds and ends episode that you do, because I think that was my favorite one that you did overall was the first odds and end. After listening to all of them, I like just the random snippets of everything that was going on and having things tied together. So I'm really looking forward to the second one coming out by the end of the week. Yeah, that one felt a little scattered to me compared to because all the other ones were put together in terms of the way I I took in the content and like listened to the press conferences and watched the videos and everything. Those were put together much more cleanly, whereas the odds and ends I had to kind of go hunt for myself. But I think all of the episodes turned out pretty well. And I was very proud to like have a ton of links in the show notes for everyone so that if anybody was interested in anything I mentioned, they could go and find more. I, I, and I'm, I am very glad that you just texted me the awesome stuff. Like you guys don't understand how wonderful it is to have your buddy be doing this for you guys, because anything that is truly worth seeing and, and immediately that I didn't know about, I just got in a text message that said, Hey dude, watch this. And so then I would get to see the Zelda trailer or I would get to see uh, star Trek bridge commander, something that I couldn't wait on that I had no idea about. So that's been my favorite part of E3 that I'm getting I'm getting personalized messages of awesomeness. Yay, I got to pick them out for you. I when I came across the stuff I knew you would love, I was like, okay, this got this has to go to Beige right away. Uh-huh. So, but um so I guess just to start off, we'll we'll keep the Warcraft movie towards the end in case you guys don't want spoilers or you're going to see it later. We're going to talk E3 right up front like we we're getting into right now. I picked out kind of my favorite things from each press conference. I thought that might be a good spot to start, if you're okay with that. Well, I actually have one thing that I wanted to ask you before you get into individual picks. 
How do you feel about this E3 overall so far? Because some years are terribly disappointing that you look at and some of the the companies are just, well, we don't have anything new. It's just more of the same that you expect. I remember a couple of years ago that the only thing that I cared about with E3 at all was the very first look at Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 15. Pretty much everything else that E3 was just a dud for me, that there was nothing to get excited about in terms terms of uh, the console gaming or even PC gaming at that point. How do you feel about this year's E3 overall? Is it going to be a good year for gaming, or do you think that this is another one of the, we're going to have to wait just a little bit longer to get the awesomeness? That is a really good question. Um, I think it's it's not a bad year, that's for sure. But it's also not a year, I don't want to say it's like a great year, but it, it's just not one of those years that makes you go, oh my gosh, like there's no... Yeah one gigantic announcement that made the internet explode like last year they announced the final fantasy 7 remake and they said this is mm-hmm. official it is a thing we are working on it it will come out at some point and like everybody lost their minds there wasn't anything <laughs> yeah. like that this year but that being said um, a lot of the stuff they showed this year instead of being like new ip were things that they announced either last year at e3 or have been announced throughout this year and they're finally filling in more detail about them or giving them official release dates, um, showing yeah. the first actual gameplay instead of just having a cinematic trailer. So even though there were new IPs announced, there were a lot of just like fleshing out information about games we already know about. And then the biggest trend overall for this E3, I feel like is early 2017. I can't yeah. believe how many times I heard this will be out early 17, like 2017. It, it was like quarter one of next year seems to be when everybody is targeting releases for all of the things. It's crazy. And I actually worry a little bit about that in terms of having an overload. If you're the kind of gamer who has to keep up with everything that with so much stuff coming out, then that there is going to be a lot of decision making having to be done and balancing your playtime. But for people like me, That is wonderful that by the time quarter one goes through and everybody else has played, you know, played it when it's brand new, when summertime comes around or Steam sales or anything like that, then I'm going to be able to get it because they're old enough to be on sale. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, the thing is, they always announce their release window or their targeted release, Mm -hmm. you know, quarter and so many games get delayed. Like all of these games, if, if they haven't told you an exact date you have to take the release day with a grain of salt every single time. So there are a couple of them that like, it's obvious because of other things going on in the industry. Sorry, maybe this is too vague. Let me talk specifically. So a game like Zelda, right? Zelda Breath of the Wild got announced. We know that that is coming out in March of 2017. And we also know that the NX is going to be out before then because the Zelda game is coming out on Wii U and NX at the same time. So sometimes you can look at these context clues about what's going on with the industry or that company or, you know, the platform holder, like in this case, Nintendo, and actually say, yes, that one will come out on time. But a lot of the time, you know, oh, we'll be out early 2017 turns into we'll be out late 2017. We'll be out 2018. Like, you know, it happens a lot. Right. And a lot of times it's for the better, but you're absolutely right that you don't want it to be that it happens. and You don't want it to be rushed. Right. And, you know, I'm fine with that. Like, I know a lot of gamers freak out when things get delayed. 
I would much rather just wait and get a really good game at the end of it. Like a good game will last yeah. forever. It will always be a good game. You know, a bad game or a broken game, you're going to be done with that thing in a couple days or a week and then never go back to it. So it, I'm kind of like, whatever, just give me the game when it's done. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. I don't mind delays as long as I'm a, I have something else that I want to play or that I'm able to know that it's being delayed or something like that. I hate just not knowing. I hate not knowing about re- release dates. That is something that just drives me crazy. But we're going off topic on this. Yeah. So do you want to get into the picks or do you have more questions? Because I have answers. I have all this information crammed in my head from this week of craziness. If you have any other questions, I'm very happy to answer them. As I think of them, I will. But that was the main one I actually wanted to ask as far as a show overall, how you felt. But I've got individual questions about the games that you have listed out and things that I've thought about, too. Okay, so there are a lot of games that I'm excited about, but I kind of, like I said, I tried to pick the ones that were the most interesting to me from each conference. So I'm just going to go through them in the order that all these conferences happened, basically. EA was the first one, and these started on Sunday. But um, EA, they announced a ton of Star Wars games that are in the works. And the only game that we have like any concrete information about at all is that sometime next year they're going to release a new Battlefront game and it will have content from the new movies. That That's like okay. the only concrete information. Everything else was, after that game comes out, we have this other studio working on the next Star Wars game. And then after that, we have a third studio working on the game after that. And then we have a fourth studio working on another game. They have about four or five studios that are working with Lucasfilm. They're working in canon. And they're all making Star Wars games that will be out eventually. But we don't know what they're about. We don't know when they're coming out. But at least we know that they are, which is something that I'm excited about because there needs to be a lot more good Star Wars games out there. Yes, exactly. And I'm really excited that all of these are going to be canon because the old games were not. You know, some of them kind of were. Some of them were very much canon. A lot of them were just, here's a Star Wars game. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not really tied into anything. Everything going forward from now on is going to be canon to the Star Wars universe, and I love that about it. That's going to be wonderful when it comes to just diving in and being able to see the characters that we love and side characters. That That's how we're going to get the stories that we want. We're going to be able to pick and choose much more easily now because we're going to be able to have actual canon going on. Yeah. Like they have with, with some of the short stories and novels right now. Yeah, exactly. So that's really cool. I'm, like you said, there's not a lot of details for that, but I'm excited for it because you guys know how both of us love Star Wars. The other thing out of the EA press conference is they showed off more Mass Effect Andromeda. We still didn't get a whole lot of it, but I loved the first Mass Effect trilogy and everything they have shown from Andromeda looks like it's on its way to becoming another good Mass Effect game. So that makes me really happy. Okay, so tell me about Mass Effect Andromeda. Is it a sequel to it, to the original trilogy, a side story take place later or earlier? I actually don't know much about this, really anything at all about this. So we don't know a whole lot. It's going to be in the Mass Effect universe, um, and it, it looks like it's after the events of the first Mass Effect, because or not the first Mass Effect, the first Mass Effect trilogy, because the trilogy right. wrapped up very nicely, and the trilogy was about the fate of our galaxy, about the Milky Way galaxy. This one happens after all of those events, and it's taking the crew of a new ship, all new characters, all new crew, and putting them into a different galaxy. So we are the aliens in this galaxy. It's no longer our home galaxy. It's a brand new one. And that's kind of their starting point. And they took that and they were running with it. 
That sounds fantastic. I'm I'm excited to get into a Mass Effect game now. When I heard about this one, today was the first time I'd heard about Mass Effect Andromeda. And I was excited because I didn't get to go all in on the original trilogy like I wanted to just because things had been going on in my life. So now I'm going to be able to start a new trilogy or a new series with Mass Effect and dive in from the beginning. And it'll be really cool because they always intended the first Mass Effect game to lead into a trilogy, and it changed so much game to game. Um, I feel like they learned so much from that first trilogy that this second, whether it's a second like um, game that's separate or if it ends up being a second trilogy, it should just be better overall because of all the lessons they learned. So I'm, I'm just really excited sense. for that whenever it does come out. I mean, yeah, I'm just excited about that one. Uh because cool. I don't know much about it. so Yeah, and like I said, it, it's been announced for a while. So no new information except for a new trailer, which you guys can check out if you want. Um, Bethesda announced a lot of little stuff. There were, mm-hmm. Bethesda was one of the things that wowed people last year. They said, Fallout 4 exists. It is real. It's almost done. It'll be out in six months. Like That also made the internet explode. So Yeah, it did. In comparison, anything they did this year, unless they announced Elder Scrolls 6, which there's no way, if you know them, their turnaround time would never be that fast. Like, Elder Scrolls 6 is not going to be out for a while. They weren't going to make the internet explode. But the one thing from their press conference that I was most interested in, they said that Fallout 4, they are converting the entire game to be a VR game, and that will be out later next year, probably. That's really cool. That is something to have this kind of open-world RPG in VR that while I don't know if it's going to be a system seller, it's definitely a it's definitely a reason to grab a Vive or something like that. Yeah, and like I mean, as someone who owns a Vive, there there are a lot of cool experiences, but most of the VR experiences are like you know ten to twenty minutes, and then the good VR games that are out there are they're not story driven games; they are um, arcadey type games, and. Yeah. Like Hollow Point. Hollow Point and Audio Shield, I love those games so much. I've put a ton of time into them, but it's not a fully featured story, you know? I think Fallout 4 VR is maybe going to be our first really, really, like, big, fully featured narrative game on, like, a VR platform. So I'm just excited to see how they do it and how it turns out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm like, I, like we said in the VR episode, I'm not entirely sold on VR yet, but with companies being willing to port their flagship IPs to it, that is a, that's a good indication that the technology is going to be here to stay. Yeah, exactly. So that was the only real thing from Bethesda. Um, Microsoft had a couple really cool things. They, the new console is interesting, even though I'm, I'm still not going to buy an Xbox One. They announced a new slim version, yeah. and then they also announced that next year they're going to come out with like a beefier version of the Xbox One called the Scorpio. So that's really big news, but it's not news I'm particularly <sighs> excited about. The part that I'm more excited about is their Xbox Play Anywhere initiative. So did you hear about yes. this yet? Yes, I love this idea. This is the I care absolutely nothing about the xbox one as a console but i am terribly 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 excited about xbox play anywhere because i like pc gaming and there are console games for the xbox and things like that that i want to play so this was one of my predictions and so now i'm going to be able to right this was one of my predictions like about a year ago i told a bunch of friends this and they all told me no that's crazy that's never going to happen basically what xbox play anywhere is is that they are moving Windows 10 and Xbox closer and closer together to the point where 
basically every major game that's going to come out on Xbox as an exclusive or as a Microsoft Studio game will also be coming out on Windows 10. So you'll have to buy it through their store, which will be like, you know, inside the Xbox store on your Windows 10 PC. But the thing is, I have a PC that's great. Like I I make a gaming PC whenever, you know, like Mm -hmm. I keep my gaming PC up to date is what I'm trying to say. And it is more powerful than the Xbox one. Like I don't need an Xbox. Just give me the games. And they're finally doing right. Like I can finally play any of the Xbox exclusive games I want on my PC. And that makes me super happy. Yeah, it does me too, especially with the announcement. Uh, well, maybe not the announcement, the uh, the discussion around Gears of War 4. It looks awesome. I am incredibly excited about the new Gears of War game. Yeah, I really liked Gears of War 1 and 2 when I played them. And uh-huh. like I, I just assumed that I wasn't going to play 4 because I wasn't going to own an Xbox. And now it's like, oh, hey, it's one of the Xbox Play Anywhere. I can get that on PC. Yeah, I'll play it. Absolutely. And... And for going back to something that you and I had talked about in last in the last in the previous podcast, it's the it's one of my favorite games to play co-op that I love Gears of War co-op that I don't know if you ever did that with anybody. Oh, yeah. Horde but mode. it is Horde mode is what you're talking unbelievably about. Unbelievably right? fun. It's super fun. Yes. So I, I adore it when seeing that there's going to be four player co-op that you can do. And with the PC, it has, it's going to have to be online. I'm sold. I will be getting that game because of Xbox Play Anywhere. That's awesome. And the other thing with Xbox Play Anywhere is that it's not just cross. Well, okay, it's cross buy. So if you buy the game on PC, you can also you basically also own the same copy of the game on your Xbox one. So those of you who do have an Xbox one, you're going to be able to carry your games between the two systems. It's also cross play, which means if I am playing on PC, I can play with my friends who do own an Xbox One. The systems will cross-play. And then it's also cross-save. So if you are one of the people who own both the systems, you're playing on your Xbox One, you save your Gears of War game for the night, the next night you go to play it and someone's using your TV, just jump over to your PC and you can pick up right where you left off. So it's all of these things together. Which is a wonderful technology that, honestly, we need in the gaming community. Yeah, it's it's fantastic to see. And then the actual like the one game I picked out from the Microsoft conference is one that kind of was teased last year, but they finally showed gameplay footage. It's called Sea of Thieves. Have you heard of this one? I haven't. And I didn't watch anything about it either. I know nothing about this one. It's it's a pirate MMO, but they will not call it an MMO like they they're staying Uh. (laughs) away from the they're staying away from the tag of MMO because they don't want to build that way. But it is a pirate MMO where you jump online and you control one individual person and you can just like jump on a pirate ship with a bunch of your friends and interact with it. So they showed gameplay of it like somebody was like, oh, I'll go grab the wheel. And someone's like, oh, we have to put those sails down. So someone had to climb up and like lower the sails. And then they realized that, oh, their anchor is still down. They're like, okay, everybody come over. So they all went around a thing where they had to push it in a circle and pull up the anchor. And it was just, it's this open world pirate game where you can sail around with your friends. You can find islands. You can find treasure. You can go on adventures. You can like find another ship that will be full of other players. There's no real NPCs. It's just other players out there. And you can, you know, sail with them or you can go try to shoot your cannons at them. It, it looks really fun. Are you telling me that I can murder people with cannons, Void? Oh, maybe I shouldn't tell you that, but yes. Yes, that looks <laughs> like a thing that you will be able to do. That that really does sound very cool. I see why that would be your pick out of it. Yeah, you should go and look. Um, 
this year's gameplay footage. So it's not a trailer. It's the actual gameplay footage from this year's E3 is really cool for Sea of Thieves. I'm excited for that. And then, so the PC Gamer Conference was next. That one was, it was honestly, it was not a great conference. PC is still finding their way when it comes to press conferences. Last year was cringeworthy. This year was just a <laughs> lot of short trailers back to back to back to back, which is fine. Like, if you want to see a bunch of games that were just teaser trailers, you can go check out my show notes for that. I have links to all of them. But there was nothing there that really grabbed my attention. But then after that one was Ubisoft. Ubisoft had a ton of like, you know, open world Ubisoft games, which if you've played one open world Ubisoft game, you basically understand their entire formula. And it's not like you've played them all, but you kind of know what all of them have to offer. So not a lot to say there. But they announced a game called Star Trek Bridge Commander. And this is one of the games that I sent you footage of right away. You did. And it was I immediately played it. I fell in love with the way that they promoted this game. I would have been excited about it in a typical trailer because I'm a Trekkie and I've always been like that's a it's a very personal thing for me because I used to watch it with my dad. Like we used to watch DVD seasons of Star Trek. I remember getting mad when they canceled the original series and put Star Trek the Next Generation on. Like I was five years old and nerd raging about them taking uh Spock and Kirk off the air and putting this new crew I didn't care about. Like I love me some Star Trek. And when I saw LeVar Burton, but I got so excited seeing that they were excited about this, that you play it like you're on the bridge of the Enterprise or one of the other Federation ships. Like it made me so happy to see that it's kind of like the Sea of Thieves for Star Trek nerds. That's yeah, that's actually not a bad analogy. Um, It's basically it's a bridge crew and you can have i think it's six players total like one captain and five players at different stations it might be five players total but basically you have a captain and then you have people at all of these different stations on the bridge and it's a vr game that has they were showing it i think with oculus touch but i'm pretty sure it's coming to the vive too so you're in vr you're at the star trek bridge station and you're using your hands to physically interact with the console in front of you to do things and make the ship like you know you can fly the ship, guys. You can put up the shields. You can fire the phasers. It looks really fun. It really does. It looks it it looks like you're LARPing Star Trek. And as weird as that sounds, I'm so excited about it. Oh, it looks like I don't know. This one just got me super hyped for it. And then the other thing with it is that it I don't know if they officially announced this, but from the look of it, it seems like it's in the JJ Abrams rebooted universe, which is cool it because looks I like, like that it. one. At least the visual style right. is very, very much in line with it. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So I'm guessing that that one is in the rebooted universe. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes on that one for sure. So that was the big Ubisoft one that got my attention. Um, PlayStation, they had a Star Wars X-Wing experience, which is tied into Battlefront. And mm-hmm. that one, okay, so I saw it and I was instantly hyped about it because you guys know my love of Star Wars. But then I saw more information about it. And it's an experience tied into a different game. So for people who don't own a VR headset, when you see something that says VR experience, you need to learn to be a little bit wary of that because experience means it's probably 10 to 20 minutes tops. And if you want anything else out of it, you just have to replay that experience again and again. It's not a VR game. Did you notice that or not? No, I didn't. Yeah, they wouldn't want to emphasize that. 
it's um it it is free i mean it's free for anyone who owns battlefront on ps4 which is great so anyone who has a psvr who owns it on ps4 you'll be able to get the x-wing experience for free and it looks really cool like that is a game i would love to play once or twice and then you've kind of seen what it has to offer i think that's my guess i mean we won't know more until more details come out but this is me making a bunch of inferences together but you're it's basing it on what the vr currently is so with the vr experiences rather yeah exactly so then the thing that actually got me more excited than i thought i would be about it is spider-man and spider-man is one that i sent you right away also i i immediately you sent me this one jennifer and i were sitting on the couch at this point watching hamilton youtube videos and we had to stop what i when the video ended i cast I, i connected my phone to the playstation to the ps3 and cast this video onto the tv because i had to see it in on the big screen because I knew exactly what to expect out of it, and it was everything that I've ever wanted out of a Spider-Man game. That this is going to be Marvel's real first foray into having a, a an Arkham Asylum-style series that feels like you're really that hero. That where in Arkham you felt like you were Batman and you felt so cool going around doing all of the stuff that Batman does. That's the impression that I got from watching the Spider-Man trailer. That you are slinging things around. You're grabbing cars with your webbing void and slinging them around your head like a yo-yo. It's wonderful. I just, I got so excited watching this. Yeah, me too. I, I got very hyped up about it and in a good way. And the thing is like, I had hype and then as I thought about it more throughout the day or throughout the next day, uh, it was a little bit of wariness. So I started reading more about it. You know, I checked around on all the major news sites, mm. get all the Spider-Man information I could because it was hard to tell from that trailer what parts of it were a cinematic trailer and what parts were gameplay. So I looked for more information and there was an interview with somebody from the Marvel studio who's working on it. And they said, so far up until now, all of the Marvel games that have come out recently have been like little mobile time wasters, which is fine, yeah. but they weren't ever trying to do anything big. This is their first step into making, they said they want to make epic games and they do not want to tie them to movies. And that made me feel so much better. They're not trying all to right. do tie-ins anymore. They're trying to make a good game and release it when it's done, when it's good. So they want to make games that are true to the superheroes, but that don't directly have to be part of the movies which has always been a downfall of like comic book hero games. Yeah, absolutely. They, it has been since, you know, the Super Nintendo, at least. Maybe the NES. I just can't remember because I remember enjoying the Batman movie for the NES, Batman movie game for the NES. Yeah. And then the other thing is if they get the traversal right in a Spider-Man game, it'll be amazing. Like if they get the mm-hmm. web slinging right, just moving around the city will be an amazing experience. It will be. I, I, I'm just I'm stoked it makes me want a playstation 4 and i don't have one uh i i know you and i know eventually you'll pull the trigger on the ps4 i don't think you're gonna get an xbox just knowing you and talking to you about things but i'm pretty sure you're gonna pull the trigger on ps4 eventually eventually i will but i think it's gonna be the improved console if it actually turns out that that that's gonna be a thing oh i can give you info about that that is a thing um (laughs) it why thank you i wonder i don't know why i said that you could just ask me um it is a thing it's official the playstation okay. console will have another version called the ps4 well it's it's codenamed the neo right now i'm sure it will have a more consumer friendly version like name when it comes out right it's going to be out 
later. They basically said it exists, but we're not pushing it out yet. We're not pushing it out till it's ready. It's going to be more like for 4K support, and it's going to okay. be a little bit more powerful, but they're not going to split their user base. They said any game you get on PS4 will play on the Neo version or the, the normal version, and it's not going to replace the current PS4. It's just going to be like a beefier version that kind of sits on the shelf next to it. Is that going to be the same thing with the Scorpio for the Xbox? Yeah, it sounds like it. So the, okay. the Xbox S or the Xbox One S, um, from what I can tell, that one is actually replacing what's out there right now. It's a, okay. a very, very slight hardware update in terms of power. Mostly it's streamlining like the parts that are inside, the size of the unit, um, the yeah. buttons on it, you know, all that kind of stuff that you would normally expect from a hardware revision. That's that's the majority of that. So the Xbox One S is probably going to take the place of the Xbox One, but then the Scorpio unit that's going to come out sometime, you know, later, probably at least a year from now, if not longer, that one is one that will live next to it on the shelf. That'll be a separate unit. Okay. It's kind of just more beefy for people who really want 4K video or you know, if they do VR, I'm sure they'll hook VR into that unit and not the older one. Right. That may be the only reason I would grab one of them then if the I want because I don't have a th- 3DS either. So what I would want, I want the new 3DS if I get one because there are games that I can't play on the old versions of it. And that would be the reason that I would want the beefier, the beefier PS4. Right. No, that makes sense. And it doesn't sound like that's going to be an issue. They're not going to actually split the games between the two consoles. Okay, cool. So that was PlayStation. The big the big thing that I'm probably the most excited about from all of E3 are the things coming out from Nintendo. So yeah, Zelda is the biggest one. Zelda is official. (laughs) Beach freaked out when I sent him the gameplay. It's titled Zelda Breath of the Wild or The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is the official title, I suppose. It is coming out in March. It will be out on the Wii U and it will be out on the NX, which we don't even know what the NX is yet because they haven't given us details. But it will launch simultaneously on both of those in March of 2017. And it looks amazing. So I do have a question about this because you watched the live streams. I did. Because they were showing the Wii U version of this. Yep. Were they interacting with the game using the touchpad at all? On I noticed that they were playing with the gamepad, but I was doing other things while I had the gameplay uh, on a second monitor. So were they using the actual touchpad on the gamepad to interact with the actual game, or were they just using the buttons and stick? I love this question because there's a hilarious answer. One of the directors of the game came out and said, oh, we tried doing things on the touch screen on the Wii U, but we decided that it was just kind of annoying and having two screens was actually just a detriment. Wow. One of the first party developers came out and straight up bashed on the Wii U gamepad for the first time ever. Like I saw that and I was just laughing to myself for like five minutes. They finally feel comfortable enough that they're beyond the Wii U. They must be so much in NX mode if they feel like they can bash on the Wii U gamepad like that. Uh-huh. So that means that the NX probably will not have that kind of kind of controller or that kind of technology attached to it. Yeah, exactly. And reports from the show floor had people saying that the only thing that was on the gamepad were the controls for the game. There was no touching the gamepad to interact with anything, no map, no inventory, nothing like that. Everything was on the first screen. So they're probably Fantastic. just making one version of the game that's going to go out on both platforms. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so 
I, I don't see why you would pick it up for Wii U if you're going to get an NX. Or, like, if you right. don't own a Wii U right now, j- just wait. I mean, just get the next console, you know, skip it at this point. Yep, that's actually what I will end up doing because I I intend on getting an NX because of games like Breath of the Wild. And I don't really want a Wii U. I want one, but at this point, especially after they said how terrible the gamepad was, I'm done. Like, I'm I'm not going to end up investing in one. And, like, I've talked about how much I love my Wii U before, and especially because my kids love it and they play it all the time. But I would not recommend most people get one right now, especially because um, there's a lot of industry rumors that they might just be taking all of their major tentpole franchises that came out on Wii U and then remastering them without the gamepad and putting them on NX. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised at all to see an NX version of Mario Kart 8 and Smash Brothers and games like that. You know, there are a ton of games that don't need the gamepad that could just be slightly updated and put out on the new console. That is exactly what I'm hoping for. That is that is kind of dream come true for Nintendo for me. I hope so for your benefit, because there's a lot of games that you haven't played yet because they're only on Wii U that are good. Yep. But okay, so Zelda Breath of the Wild, I mean, it's an open world Zelda. I saw it and I basically it it was basically like this is Zelda Skyrim. That was my first reaction. Mm-hmm. I've seen it been called the Zelda Scrolls today. <laughs> I like that. Like I'm I'm st- stupidly excited about this game and i haven't played through a zelda game since wind waker so i am incredibly excited about breath of the wild because i think this is going to be the first nintendo game to really pull me back in as a fanboy not even a fan as a straight up fanboy because i saw this when i watched this trailer and then went and watched the gameplay videos i'm all in this is the Zelda game that looks every bit as good as Ocarina of Time did when I was however old I was, when I was like 14 years old or how old I, whenever that was. Yeah, I haven't been this excited for a Zelda game in so long. It looks amazing. And like, if you have any interest, I really suggest going and watching the gameplay video of the first 30 minutes of the game because that yes. sold me on it. Um, I watched the trailer and the trailer is cool and it got me excited for it. But the one that sold me on it and I it made me go, I need this game on launch day. On day one, I will own this game, was watching the first 30 minutes where they had it on the live stream and they they kind of talked through it while they were doing it. It starts out with Link waking up like Link always does, as, as is tradition, and getting your first little piece of technology and opening the first couple treasure chests. That's like the first five or seven minutes yeah. of that. You can kind of scroll through that. The thing that sold me was... When you walk out of this starting area where Link is in Mm -hmm. and you see this huge vista in front of you and they said, "Okay, everything you see, you can go there. You can go explore all of that and we're not going to gate you at all. Like you can just go do it. It It was amazing. That is something that I don't understand how it's still going to feel like a Zelda game like that. That is my only fear with this game is that there's so so much of Zelda is entrenched in having the right tool for the right job and being able to move forward like that that they're going to have to really and I, I know they know what they're doing but they're going to have to really really know what they're doing so that we can we will want to retraverse through a lot of stuff once we get a different tool just to find some hidden things yeah but I'm, I'm just so excited for a new developer to tackle open world because I feel like oh. anytime a developer does an open world game, it's a cool new take on it. And 
after they do that first one, they have this formula that they put so much effort into and they stick to that, you know? GTA has felt the same to me since like GTA Vice City, maybe. I mean, Uh the Elder Scrolls games and like Fallout games, those start to feel the same, you know? I mean, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 and Fallout New Vegas anyway, like all of the modern ones. To see a new developer take on open world has me super excited because I, I like a good open world game. I just don't want to experience the same open world game again and again and again. I'm looking at you, Ubisoft. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I'm excited for Zelda a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And then the other thing from Nintendo I wanted to highlight was Pokemon Go, because that was this morning as of when we're recording this podcast. This morning, they released new details. They had like a developer Q&A roundtable. They showed off a little bit more of the game. But the thing that I was more excited for, which actually surprised me, is their little Pokemon Plus thing. Have you seen anything about that? I haven't seen it, but I have heard about it. I haven't actually seen what the unit looks like. Okay, so when I heard about Pokemon Go, I knew I would play it for at least a week. It would be fun. You know, I'd get my kids involved, go out for some walks, capture Pokemon, whatever. But I didn't know if it would have any staying power. The Pokemon Go Plus is a little device it's about the size of a small pedometer and it's a bluetooth device that you can sync with your phone and it interacts with your pokemon go app basically what it lets you do is play the game without constantly having your phone out so instead of having to take out your phone and keep it with you to see when you're going to encounter a pokemon or when you get to a gym or when you need to you know aim it at something and like do the whole mini game of capturing a pokemon which, I mean, it looks fun. Like, I'm going to do that with my kids on walks and stuff for sure. I, right. I'm not saying that's bad. But this Pokemon Go Plus device, it's like a little Pokeball. And in the middle of it, there's an LED. And the LED has different colors, and it also functions as a, as a button. So what they said is that <laughs> as long as you have the app open in the background and you have it synced up via Bluetooth, you can go for a walk. And if you get to a point where you encounter a Pokemon, it will buzz, it will vibrate, and it will turn green. And you can hit that button on it, and it will instantly do an attempt to catch that Pokemon. And if it doesn't work, it'll turn red. And if it does work, it'll give you like a rainbow color flash. So wow, yeah. So then you can you can just do that for your entire walk. And then when you get back home, or you're done with your walk, or you sit down at a park bench or whatever, pull out your app and see all of the Pokemon you encountered, see all the items you picked up, all of that kind of stuff. So you don't constantly have to have your phone out, which for me is cool because. It means I can go for a run while playing this game. Yes, and that's when the moment you said that, when I read that text message, I I got sold on Pokemon Go because I was going to get it because it would be fun to do around the college campus I teach at. That with me being in the resource center with all of the students and uh, the tutors that I work with, we're we were playing Pokemon together at the end of the semester with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire and we were just battling and trading and things like that and we were all looking forward to go because of the AR part of it where we're going to walk around campus and catch Pokemon and things like this. And so the idea of the of the Pokemon Plus device just being able to do it while I'm teaching class, I promise you right now I will have this in my pocket or on my on my hip, however it is. And I promise you that as much as I pace back and forth, if I run into it, I will stop what I'm doing and capture Pokemon in front of my classes. I love that. I hope you do. I do. I promise you that I will be doing that. Uh, So Pokemon Go is looking even better than I anticipated, especially with that new Plus device. And then they said that the the Pokemon Plus device, Pokemon, 
I'm trying to remember the official name. Pokemon Go Plus. That is the entire name of the device, if you guys are looking for it. Sorry, I keep mincing my words when I talk about it. Um, When that device comes out, they said it will be out in retail stores and to buy online by the end of July. And they just kind of slipped that out there. And then somebody later said, wait, you said it's going to be out in July. When is the app coming out? And they said, well, it'll have to be out before that. So without actually announcing a release date, they gave us a release window. It's going to come out sometime in the next month and a half. Was that a mistake? I don't think so. I think they're just being cagey about like the release of the actual app. Okay. But I, I don't think it was a slip up. It seemed like it was planned that they were going to talk about when you could pick up this new device. Okay. Because I've seen some things where I believe it was John Boyega and Star Wars who actually accidentally made the slip of Starkiller Base. And uh, then everybody started freaking out and giving him all these weird looks like we weren't supposed to release that yet. And... So I remember I remember that going on. So that this could have been one of those. So I wanted to make sure and see. <laughs> so, yeah, those those were my top things from E3. Um, I've had a lot of fun covering it. If you guys want to catch up on the, on the news, please go check out Video Game News Now, which is the other podcast I do. I have done separate podcasts for every press conference and then some odds and ends podcasts. And you can basically get all of your E3 news very quickly. I also have like link roundup at the show notes for each of those episodes so check those out if you're interested and i have to say you guys go listen to these if you're at all interested because i care about e3 but nowhere near enough to actually sit and read through all of the articles being able to listen to these podcasts has honestly made me excited about these games when i promise you that i wouldn't be otherwise that i'd be like yeah and new zelda games coming out i know but seeing it and listening to it from this podcast and having him send me these trailers that i can probably guarantee i wouldn't have watched yet have made me excited and probably sold nintendo a system okay guys so i am basically forfeiting my weekly geekery because my weekly geekery is e3 um i've had a few minutes here and there to pick away at the four job fiesta so i'll get back into that next week i promise i'll be playing that uh we did want to talk about the warcraft movie though so right the warcraft movie i i don't think we're going to spoil a whole lot because we wanted to talk about it but we'll stay pretty high yeah. level here we won't get into the weeds a whole lot generally i liked it like i mean it was surprising that i liked it as much as i did that was my feeling walking away from it i expected absolutely nothing out of this movie from the first time i saw a trailer i do not like movies that rely overly on that overly rely on cgi i don't particularly like summer blockbuster type movies i like the comic book movies But the almost generic fantasy and science fiction movies, I'm like, yep, look at this action movie with a CGI budget. Let's go see something else instead. And so I kind of figured that's what this was going to be. It did not look... I knew that I was going to see it because I was a Warcraft fan. Yep. And I did not think it was going to be any good. Even after the initial reviews came out that said that it was complete garbage... I still expected less out of it than those reviews gave it. Yeah, no, I was, and I loved it. I think I was basically in the same camp as you. I was not expecting anything. Um, I actually thought it would probably be bad, and I went into yeah. it just like you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna see. It, it might be bad, but I've loved the Warcraft universe for so long since playing mm-hmm. Warcraft one and two and three and World of Warcraft. So I'm gonna give it a shot. And I I really liked it. I mean, if I had to give it a rating out of 10, I'd probably give it like a solid 8 out of 10. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend it to my fantasy, like my friends who love fantasy. Even if you're not into Warcraft, I think there's a lot here for you if you like high fantasy stuff. 
I do too. I think those are the people who are going to like it. I'm not entirely sure if people who are the summer blockbuster fans, who are the kinds of people who go and see Transformer movies, I'm not sure if it's their kind of movie. Yeah, you have to be okay with the setting of high fantasy. You don't uh-huh. have to be like a hardcore Warcraft fan. I don't think that's required. I think as long no. as you're okay with a fantasy setting, you could like this movie. Because And this is going off on a small tangent because people who like summer blockbusters are unknowing science fiction fans because I always get my classes on this. I ask them if they like sci-fi and they curl their noses and maybe one person raises their hand and then I'm like, well, did you like Avatar? Do you like the Avengers? Do you like this and this and this and this? And I'll name off. I'm like, yeah, I love those. Those movies are great. And I'm like, those are science fiction, guys. You love science fiction. Everybody loves sci-fi. And they don't realize it. So, But fantasy is such a different monster because you don't, there is such a disconnect between the worlds that I don't know if normal, that's probably why it performed so poorly in the United States. Yeah. But I mean, even saying that, like it had great action in it. It had amazing CG. Like the orcs totally stole the show. Like I thought that all of the other races that weren't human were so much more interesting than the human part of it. The orcs were just amazingly done. The CG was great throughout the entire thing. I was never distracted by the uncanny valley going, that's some weird CG. I didn't feel like that at all. I totally bought into the world. I was totally bought in on the uh, character models, I guess. I don't even know what you would call this. Basically, I mean, you're the, the film guy. What they landed on for how they portrayed orcs through a mixture of live action and CG um, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if it would work, and I think this is what you're talking about. But it actually yeah. does work, and it works really well. It very much does. And the only thing in the entire movie that I didn't think worked was the griffin. I, there were there were moments where it, when the griffin was, let's say, fighting or turning around a certain way, it looked like bad CGI. It looked like cheap, like video game CGI is what it looked like to me. Okay, and that was the. Uh, but I was watching it in 3D, oh, so I saw I wasn't, it just a little I didn't bit feel differently. Like that at all. So yeah. in 3D, it was very it was very obvious that these were characters against a green screen in 3D. The 3D was not done very well. Oh, I went and saw it in 3D sucks. because I I wanted to see it in kind of all of it. it, it it's a visual movie, so I was going to see it in in as much of it as I could since we don't have an IMAX in town. And I think 3D was a mistake because it called attention to just how separated the characters were from the backdrop, the backdrops and the backgrounds. See, okay, now I really want you to see it as a normal movie, a 2D movie, and tell me what you think because I didn't feel that at all, at all. Okay. I had maybe one minute the first time I saw an orc going, whoa, that's, that's an interesting look. And then after that, I was bought in. Um, but I, I was never distracted. I never felt like it was hokey CG. The only thing, like if we're doing our little nitpicks right now, the only thing that I had any problem with was the love story. It felt like it was totally oh, yeah. forced. And like maybe they had to leave about 30 minutes of footage on the cutting room floor. Like it just didn't fit yeah. at all. It didn't. The The love story between those characters would have worked way better as a friendship. And I would have completely bought in. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yep. Those two great buddies. They fight together. They do this. Wonderful. I'm like, yep. The, the, I want I want a buddy comedy or a buddy action movie of those two. That's great. Falling in love. I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't. That, that doesn't. I don't feel that. No, it didn't fit with the rest of the story the way that the final cut of the movie ended up. And, and I really nope. suspect that some of that might be just footage that ended up on the cutting room floor that we're never going oh, yeah. to get to see. I bet there was a movie in there that could have sold that and they just didn't have time for it. Honestly, probably what it was because it wasn't an overly long movie either. 
No, no, for sure. Okay, so all that being said, what were your favorite cameos in the movie? In the very first scene of the movie, there are Draenei. I loved seeing Draenei. They were they made me happy. They're my favorite race in World of Warcraft. Seeing them there made me so unbelievably happy as a just a World of Warcraft nerd that the rest of the movie I was happy that I paid for it just to see live action Draenei. That's cool. That was my absolute that was my absolute favorite thing in in the movie. Uh also, I loved seeing Morose, that he wasn't necessarily a cameo because he was a character that was interacted with, but I killed him so many times in Karazhan raiding, and it was the Burning Crusade. I, I forgot which expansion it was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, I was like, my brain really just shut down on that. I was like, how did I lose a decade of information here? Uh, because it's been a decade. Um <laughs> But I killed him so many times raiding Kara that the moment that uh, Lothar said, Morose, I started clapping and going, Eee, Morose! And I'm glad that I was in a very small theater with very few people in the middle of the day on a Friday who understood why that would be, or else I probably would have been a crazy person. Ooh, I want to talk about the small number of people in the theater in a second. But first, I want to talk about my favorite cameos. I loved seeing Ironforge. It was fantastic. Like, it was just a one-off scene that was maybe five minutes that really didn't need to be there, but I got to see Mm -hmm. the dwarves, and I got to see Ironforge, and they were fantastic. Like, it was another instance where all of the characters who weren't human were so much more interesting than the humans because they were done so well. Like, I wanted more dwarves throughout the whole thing Uh after after seeing that little scene. I loved the outside of Ironforge. Yep. When I when they came up into Casmodan or whichever way I I think it's Casmodan where where they went over the hill and you saw it, I loved it. It was just like the video game. And then they went inside and that was when the 3D was ruined. It was very obviously a fake background. Dude, I got to get you off seeing 3D like, movies. I got it. They're I know. just they're the they're not a good way to see movies. It's terrible. I keep getting I keep I keep messing it up for myself, honestly, by doing this and thinking that it's going to be wonderful. And it never is. Uh, and we will have ruined next Iron time Forge. you tell me that you're going to go see a 3D movie. I can't wait. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait for you to yell at me for seeing a 3D movie. I'm not a yelly person. But, I'm not going to yell. I'm going to try to rationally convince you that you're making a mistake and that you should not do that. I think that the entire argument is just going to be, dude. No, and that will probably work because if if this one really, if if in 2D it didn't look completely and totally fake, that was a big issue. It looked like a bad uh, television commercial in Iron Forge where there were a couple of people walking around in the foreground and they had laid over a parallax background. Yeah, no problems at all in 2D. So I loved Iron Forge, even though you ruined it by your choice of movie watching. Um, I did. That being said, I make bad choices. (laughs) This movie has amazing establishing shots, and yes. one of those was my other favorite cameo, was when they were um, establishing a shot, and there was a murloc sitting in a stream, and he made the murloc mm-hmm. sound. He was just in the bottom right corner of the screen for like three seconds. That one made me super happy. But I mean... But it was awesome. Yeah. Usually establishing shots are just kind of... I mean, they're an establishing shot. Like, it's part of the filmmaking language. It's what you do to show where you are. And this was one of the only movies I've ever seen an establishing shot and just been wowed by it. To see these places that I know from Warcraft and World of Warcraft done to this level of detail on screen 
what it was like it was breathtaking it was awesome it felt like they were using establishing shots to both establish for the audience who was watching it for the first time that we're moving from one place to another and this is the area we're going into as well as establishing for the fans we understand what this property is because of things like the shot of moving into iron forge because of the way that they went into westfall because of seeing the murloc in the stream those are very much fan service moments uh like when you're flying into stormwind when there's a character flying on a griffin into stormwind he can very easily fly over into the main part of the city to the keep and into the cathedral but he flies into the same place you fly into when you're on a flight path yes i noticed that and those moments are definitely there obviously on purpose you don't put anything in a movie unless it's on purpose but they're very much there for the fans and to establish that for them Someone told me that at one point in there, I think it's one of the establishing shots, there's a quest board and there's a quest on it for Hogger. I did not catch that, but I really hope that's true. I'm going to look for it next time I see the movie. I will. When that gets out on Blu-ray, I'll definitely be looking for that. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to mention about the Warcraft movie is that the story and lore, like it, it was weird watching this movie, having not played the original Warcraft game for such a long time and not being Mm. a huge lore buff. Like I knew these names and I knew some of these people. I definitely knew the world and I knew, um, I knew the places for sure, which was like really cool, but it made me go home and get on Wikipedia. And I had a lot of fun looking up lore. You had to put up with me texting you all night. Oh my God. Did you know this? It helped me though. Like that was great. But I spent a night researching the lore of Warcraft because of this movie, and it was a night well spent. And I basically learned that, so this movie is a retelling of the events of Warcraft 1 and the very beginning of Warcraft 2, which is like kind of the formation of the Alliance kind of happens in between the two Warcraft. So Mm -hmm. this is a retelling of those events. Um, It's been... It's been put into a format that's better for video or for film, I should say, you know, whereas the lore for the games is just kind of enough lore to hang a video game on. It's not the best story. They've taken that and it's definitely an adaptation. But this is Warcraft one, which makes me want a Warcraft two after this. Like I spent the rest of that night just going, hmm, what do the sequels to this look like? Do we get a sequel that covers the events of Warcraft two? Does that mean we can get a sequel that covers Warcraft three? And then the frozen throne, like how many movies can they make? Can they please start making more right now? Like that, that was kind of my progression throughout the night. I I now want them to make this into an entire franchise and get to the point where like, I want to see Arthas, you know, I want to see the yeah. frozen throne in movie form. And then I want to see world of Warcraft in movie form. And then I want to see every single expansion pack as a separate movie. That's what I want now. And I actually want this. After going in, I'm right with you, and I actually want this after going in expecting to be completely bored throughout the entire thing and rolling my eyes. And I'm all in wanting a full franchise for this, where I was in the same thing. I would love an expansion pack, a movie for each expansion telling that story that I am fully invested in this because it was well done for the fans, and it was well enough done that it could get movies, that if people went to see it, the first 10 minutes of it, yeah, they were forced. I've heard it from 100 different people. But the rest of the movie, they actually had a cohesive story and a cohesive character dynamic between people. Yeah, it was really cool. So it, it sent me down that lore rabbit hole, but it was fun, and I, I had fun looking that up and learning more about it. So the other thing I wanted to mention here was 
that it actually broke box office records in China. So I know they love it. They do. So this is one of those things, right? You said when you went to see it, there weren't many people in the theater. There, I think there may have been seven other people in the theater besides me. And when I went to see it, there were, I want to say five people in the theater. There were not many people in the theater at all. Mm-mm. But the thing is, it broke box office records in China for a foreign produced film. Like it, it is the top money making foreign produced film ever already over there wow it's something like that i don't know if i'm getting that stat exactly right but it's something along those lines it's crazy they already made back all of the money of the production cost of this movie in china alone so even if the u.s box office is horrible which it looks like it might be okay it's not going to be groundbreaking but it'll be okay even if like that is horrible they've broken like they've more than broken even in china they made their money back they're making profit now plus they still get to release it across the rest of the world and then you have home video and all of that. So I'm hoping that they make a lot of money on it. I really do because I do want sequels to this. Yep. I they did they did it's so much better than you expect it to be. It really is. That what whatever you guys expect, if you haven't seen this movie, whatever you expect, go in expecting less and let yourself be pleased because it is not great film. This is not something that you're going to be studying in college years from now as a piece of art. But man, I sure had fun watching it. I I wouldn't even say that it's not a great film. I would say that it's not an Oscar film. It's not a film that's trying to win awards. It's not not pushing the envelope on anything. It's not there for like, you know, oh my God, best dramatic performance ever. But it's a good blockbuster high fantasy movie. It's a really good one. It is. I was. I'm impressed by it. I'm eight. I'm in that eight out of ten group as well. I keep seeing that everywhere. I'm. I'm one of those eight to ten people. So yeah, it. It definitely did get about eighty percent of of what it. You know, being perfect. Cool. Not perfect, but yeah. No, I know what you're saying. So, do you have any other thoughts about it as an adaptation? I know you've studied adaptation a lot more than I have. They. They did a really fantastic job of adapting it that they the entire thing is that they do have to change things. There were things changed from the game lore that made sense as far as a medium, the medium of film that characters died who made sense in terms of the story that they were telling on screen that in absolutely no way could have died based on the video games and that's okay because you have to accelerate and con- accelerate stories. You have to condense narratives in order to get the right story being told for within this, the time frame that you have. You don't know if you're going to be able to get another four games. You don't know what story you're going to be able to be telling. And so to be able to get it and have it make sense, they have to make choices. And the choices that they made for this one actually move the story forward at least well, that would be spoilery. It moved the story forward enough that you don't have to deal with a whole lot of buildup to get through things, that other characters can perform those same functions, which is a major part of adaptation, is keeping things clean and concise. They did that. One thing they did was set it up for a franchise. They changed the narrative enough and adapted it from the games enough so that the characters who are left standing at the end of this one will be able to fulfill every role that was set up in the video games. That's really cool. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I think it's set up for sequels too. So I think both of us are looking forward to seeing kind of what happens next with the Warcraft movie franchise. Um, yeah. With all that being said, I think it's time for Weekly Geekery. If you don't it know, is. Weekly Geekery is where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. 
I kind of forfeited mine so that we can have a double topic. Mine was going to be E3 and video game news now, and then I was going to touch on the Four Job Fiesta. I'm going to save Four Job Fiesta for next week and update you guys. How about you? What do you have for Weekly Geekery? Uh, well, I saw Steve, my Weekly Geekery, I saw Stephen King this weekend. I am a huge Stephen King nerd. I'm a huge horror nerd. And when October comes around, you guys, you're going to get a podcast of me talking horror and trying to convince Boyd to like it um, and read it and watch it. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) It's going to be interesting. It's going to be awesome. And so I'm a huge Stephen King fan. And I really think that you ought to read some Stephen King, but that's neither here nor there. Seeing him speak in person was fantastic. He is a fantastic storyteller. He is just as charismatic in, on stage as he is a good writer. And he was just telling stories. We spent the evening listening to Stephen King talk. And I feel like that was, uh, how can I even put it? Seeing Stephen King on stage was one of those things where it's just like, I wonder what he's like in real life. And then you see him in person and he moves like you think he does, even though you've it, it, it's just weird. He's just a dude who's telling some stories about maniacs in the backseat of your car. It's it's fantastic. I can tell how much you must have enjoyed this because you're never at a loss for words and you're struggling right now. That tells me I so am. much about your experience this weekend. I mean, I, I know because you were texting me, you were sending me pictures, and it was really <laughs> cool to hear about, and I was excited for you. But like just this, listening to you try to describe it and failing, it guys, yes. if you don't understand Beige, this means that he had such an amazing time that he cannot even put it into words. Yes, it is It is incredibly hard to put because, yeah, it's a dude on stage telling some stories and then an hour and a half later he walked away. I mean, that's really what happened. <laughs> but it, it was just being there and have, having one of your favorite authors up there and telling these stories. I really am at a loss for words. I know and you part are. Of it, I know you are. And part of it, part of the reason that this is my geekery this week is because at the end of the night, our tickets came with free hardcovers. Well, included in the ticket price were hardcover copies of his newest book. And we had somebody, uh, we had an extra ticket that we didn't couldn't get to sell to anybody. So we got an extra book out of the deal. And four, there were 2,500 people. This was at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. 400 of the books that were being distributed to the 2,500 of us were supposed to be signed. And they were given out at random. We walk out the door, we get them, and we get our four books. I'd been saying all day long I didn't care if I got a Stephen King autograph, that I'd been playing it really cool, that, like, you know, I'd be cool. I'm just going to sell it on eBay if I get it. And I walk out the door, grab my book, and I open it up, and there's a Stephen King autograph on the title page. I start jumping up and down and screaming in this giant crowd of people. I'm a 33-year-old man jumping up and down and screaming, hugging a horror novel to my chest uh, because I got an autograph. And my wife, both of the ones that she was able to pick up, were autographed. So the three of us... uh, No, I don't remember how that worked. Either way, we had three of the four books that we had were autographed. That's that so cool. There were three of us who were able to go, and we each got a signed autograph copy of Stephen King's new hardcover. Yeah, now it was it was fantastic, you guys. I can't even. I, I nerded out so hard on it. But yeah, that's my geekery for the week is Stephen King, and I need to go and read the new trilogy just to because he's excited me about it from hearing him talk. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Do you want to talk about your bike? I know you've had some struggles. I'll talk about my bike next time. I'll be fighting with it for the next week, and there will be stories. Perfect. I want more stories. I've already seen some text messages and images <laughs> of the, the bike situation. I've been so mad at this bike. <laughs> Cool. I'm I'm glad that we got to do a double topic today. We've never done that before, but I thought E3 called for it, especially because Warcraft movie, we decided to give you that non-spoilery review instead of right. really get down into it. So I think this worked out really well. Um, yeah, I think it really did. As always, if you want, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, feedback. Um, our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach out to us together on at geek2geekcast on Twitter. If you want to get email updates about our network's podcasts, you can now sign up at www.geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about, and you'll start getting emails for them. They're they're pretty cool. Be set them up. I'm excited about those. I blogged almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I also run the Video Game News Now podcast, so if you're interested in video game news headlines, especially this week with E3 week, there's a ton of podcasts out there. You can go pick and choose. This week is a great week to jump over. Um, you can search for Video Game News Now on any major service. It's out there. Otherwise, look in the show notes of this episode because there's links at the bottom. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast that you can find at all of the normal podcast places as well as www.geekfitness.net slash podcast. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys.